It's the Metal Blade Podcast. We're back again. And we, we've got a Motorhead uh, harmonica that Ryan's been playing and annoying the shit out of me with. I, I hate the harmonica so much. It was one of those instruments as a kid. Um, I, just hearing it on the radio and songs, I just can't fucking stand. Hey, remember when Johnny Popper almost had a heart attack from masturbating? Uh, is that the guy from Blues Traveler? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember that story. You don't remember that behind the music? No. That's a good one. I feel like there's an entire generation of kids that missed all those really good behind the music episodes now that they, they, they don't run that show anymore, much less music on TV anymore. Yeah, I highly recommend the uh, Bobby Brown one. I was telling you a story from that one. Oh, man, time. I don't think I remember that one, but that's got to be good. Yeah, I was telling you the story where he... Uh, he was driving into a town in the tour bus. This is right after My Prerogative came out, and he's like a instant bajillionaire. And he saw a car uh, driving along next to the tour bus that he really liked, so he flagged him down. He gave the guy a bunch of cash for it, bought the car on the spot, drove it around the city all day, and then just left it somewhere and went and played the show that <laughs> night. Yeah, just joy- that's, that's some new money moves right there. Yeah, I mean, joyriding in a car, uh, I guess that way is way better than just straight up stealing a car, which yeah. is... How most most uh, joy rides happen, really? Yeah, exactly. But man, we got uh, Monty Pittman on the show this time, which should, should be fun. He plays guitar and uh, sings in his own project, Monty Pittman, which we put out back in January. And uh, he also plays in a Madonna's band. Obviously, he's played in uh, with Madonna since 2002. Uh, he played with her at the Super Bowl in 2012. So that's really Oof, cool. That's yeah. a famous man. That's a big gig. And yeah. uh, he played in Prong for years. Uh, and he's going on tour with Ministry next year, which is pretty awesome. Very cool. So we talked a lot with Monty about all, uh, all the different things he has going on. And uh, since we talked to you guys last, it's been a minute. Uh, we saw the Black Dahlia Murder live. We saw Tear. Uh, I just saw Rivers and Nile on that Death DTA tour. Uh, it's Death, Death to All tours. It's like it's a weird name for that whole Death situation. Right. Obviously, it's a couple of the original guys. And uh, I saw King Diamond. Finally, I saw King Diamond Ooh. live. Yeah, one of my favorite uh, artists ever. I think the first time I ever was really exposed to King Diamond was because of uh, Clerks okay. and Kevin Smith's like cool. fandom of King Diamond. Otherwise. Right. You know, when you're coming up in the in the metal scene, it's one of those artists you see and you hear about. It's actually Clerks, and you know who it was? Metallica. Oh, yeah. Covering songs. If Metallica hadn't covered songs uh, on the Garage Days EP, how many people would know Diamond Head and King Diamond and a yeah. bunch of artists like that? So those are those are pretty formative years when a, when a metalhead's coming up just discovering music like that. And who knows when we'll see King on tour again. So yeah, was... well, ho- hopefully next year, but we'll see uh, what, he, what his schedule... Uh, what happens with that? And he actually had food poisoning in L.A. He went on a little bit late and ended up mm. having to cancel the show two days later from being just crazy dehydrated. Yeah. From just I don't know what the heck he ate. I never asked him, but yeah. Maybe I'll I'll email him today and, and ask him. <laughs> what, what did you eat? I'm gonna avoid that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. So I don't know, but it's uh, it's pretty cool that he powered on and went on stage that night because there would have been yep. an actual riot. Oh like, my like god. Like 2,200 people in the sold out Will Turn in downtown L.A. Uh, on Halloween. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So I'm glad he didn't cancel, and he powered through it, and it was still flawless. Nice. Perfect show. I mean, his voice sounded better than it has. I, I, I've i never seen him live before, but I've seen YouTube videos from back in the day, and it's just, he's got that sort of like uh, Rob Halford, uh, Bruce Dickinson, just uh, sustainability. Like, their voices just are awesome, like forever. Yeah, and from reading all his interviews lately, it seems like... Uh 
the quitting smoking yeah. and the healthy eating and all that stuff has really helped him. Don't bring that stuff up with him, otherwise you're going to open a can of worms oh, and he's yeah. just going to talk for like an hour about yeah. how much just how much he likes being healthy now. And yeah, but it's great to see someone who's like re reinvitalized or yeah. revigorated or whatever you want to say. You know, it's it's great. Yeah, and uh, we saw Rivers and Nile at um, in downtown LA at Club Nokia. Club Nokia is the spot where uh, the Golden Gods is every year, the Revolver Golden Gods Awards. Right, right. It's a big room, so to see Rivers and Nile play there was extra cool. Uh, last time we saw them live, it was the House of Blues, and the time before that, it was the Whiskey. It's a so, pretty cool yeah. tour to say you did, even though it's not the original Death and everything. Still I mean, Death, yeah. Still to go out with pretty much Death is... And it's Obituary and Massacre on top of that, and Obituary... Yeah. I'm familiar with them, but they're one of those bands that I never really dug into as much as some of the other bands from that time. Yeah. And they killed live. They were awesome. I've always heard that they're a live band. And yeah. They're one of the heaviest live bands. And yeah, now I see why. Absolutely. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And uh, Black Dolly Murder, we saw way down south. The Yost like hour, hour away. Yeah, in Santa yeah. Ana or wherever it was. It was a really cool theater. I'd never been there before. We were trying to get them on the podcast, but just being so far away, it wasn't really feasible to get there on time. Yeah, neither and of us got there early at all. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were working and then trying to get out there, but uh, it was awesome to see those guys. Yeah, and by the time the show was over and everything, everybody was in hangout mode and not yeah. in a sit-down hey, to do a podcast mode. You want to stop hanging out with all your friends and talk on a recording <laughs> real quick? Yeah. No. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to get those guys next time or just get Trevor to call in. We talked to Monty Pittman this week, so we're going to jump to that interview and get updated on all things uh, Monty Pittman. Cool. Here it is. How you doing, Monty? I'm doing good. Excellent. I'm doing really good. How are you doing? Not so bad. We're wrapping up uh, 2014 here. Yes, it's, it's gone by way too fast. Yeah. You know, the older you get, the faster we perceive time to be uh, progressing for some reason. Uh, I don't know why, but it kind of sucks. Uh, there was a lot of cool stuff that happened this year. Uh, we started the year by putting out a new Monty Pittman video. That's right. So that was pretty Before cool. Before the morning sun, we're going to yeah. do another one soon. To wrap, start the year how we end, or end the year how we begin the year. Yeah, exactly. Something Last like time we recorded in November and then put it out right away in January. And now we're doing it in December and uh, also putting it out right away in January. Uh, what song you want to do this time? Um, Delusions of Grandeur should okay. be the next video. I think we can make that happen. I think that's the, that should be the next one. Yeah, yeah. We have, you, we'd have the artwork video for A Dark Horse. Right. We've got the, the white video for Before the Morning Sun, so now we have to do the opposite. Okay. I think we can get that done. And that was uh, Jim Florentine's favorite track from the record, too. Yeah, he, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, he played that on his uh, Sirius XM show. Maybe we can get him to be in the video. Yeah, we'll, we'll have him fly out here in December. <laughs> He'll be an actor in the video or something. Yeah, I don't know what he's going to do, but uh, yeah, that could be fun. Have him like wake up like he's in bed, like he gets up and the alarm wakes him up and he just has a really bad day and then we could be playing. Uh, speaking of that, have you ever seen Jim in any movies? Um, I don't, I, not, I, not that I can think of right offhand. He I was mean, in a movie with, uh, Pam from The Office. Uh, her name escapes me at the moment, but she did a really cool movie called A Little Help. It was kind of an indie film and, uh, he played a scumbag that took her out on a date and, uh, he ended up taking her home and he has a sex scene with her, which is hilarious that a guy we know is like fake banging Pam from the office in a movie is one of the weirder things I've seen. Wow. Because you don't often see somebody in a movie that you know. It's just kind of like... Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? That is true. And um, he's banging her and he's like, tell me I'm the greatest. And she's just watching an episode of Frasier on TV completely disinterested. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. But oh, uh, we, Good for Jim. That's 
Gotta yeah. be a good gig. Yeah, so he's got some more gigs coming up, so that's really cool. And uh, other than that, you're going to be on tour shortly with Ministry. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited about that. Excited Which, about playing with them. Yeah, how the heck did that come about? Do you know those guys from way back or what? I do, yeah. I've you know I've known them for a while. Uh, Aaron Rossi and I played together, for, you know, you know, for a long time, and then he wound up playing in Prong, and then Tommy and both and Aaron both played in Ministry, and it's um, it's yeah, I got to think back to all the details, um, but Aaron played drums for me earlier in the year when I played on Bite Size TV with uh, that's Evan Seinfeld's show that he has. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And Eli Santana played bass. And then Sin from Ministry just happened to be on the same show. And uh, after soundcheck, we were all sitting around, and they were, they were saying, like, yeah, it'd be, you know, it'd be cool if we all played together someday or something. And because um, I knew that Ministry was, you know, what I, I thought was done, you know, from what I knew. But um, they asked me about doing just like a couple of weeks of shows next year, and now that's turned into what it is now. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm there to play with them as long as they need me and as long as you know they'll have me. Yeah, that's a very cool gig. Is there a lot of rehearsal involved with something like that, or is it pretty like run and gun? No, I'm pretty sure there's going to be quite a bit of rehearsal for yeah. it. They yeah, gave me a lot of songs to learn. I've actually never seen that band live, so I have no idea what level of production they have. If they do like a crazy huge stage show, or you know what the deal is, really. Yeah, I, and I, you, you never know what Al's going to do. I guess, but, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I've seen them a few times, and uh, they've always put on a great show. Ryan, have so, you ever seen Ministry? I have never seen them. Now you guys definitely have to go when I'm there. We'll have to look up the tour dates and figure that out. Yeah. Hopefully there aren't any other Metal Blade shows in L.A. at the time. Right, yeah. We'll look on uh, Ministry's Facebook page, and I know that has some of the dates. I don't know if that's all the dates. Okay. I'm just, I'm just there to play guitar, yeah. so I don't know. Well, that's I, don't, nice I don't even know what the dates are. I don't. <laughs> yeah, of course. I know there's Soundwave in Australia. And oh, that's excellent. Going to South America. Um, wow. Have you ever been to Australia before? Yeah, I've been there before. Have you toured there before? Mm-hmm. With uh, when did when did you go there last? I was there when I play I played guitar for Adam Lambert. Oh, that's and right! I forgot He's about that. Yeah. Huge down there. Wow. And um, and so that you know we played some you know like big theaters. So yeah. that was that was cool. Wow, that's crazy. Adam Lambert. What, what's what's more fun? Adam Lambert, Madonna, Ministry, or uh, Monty Pittman or Prong Live? <laughs> Monty Pittman is all. I have to say that that's always right. fun line. <laughs> the best, you know. That's 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 my first answer. Second answer would have to be Madonna. Okay. Doesn't, yeah, I mean, it doesn't get better than that as far as a gig. I can't even imagine what kind of production and rehearsal time goes into a show like that because I've seen really big production shows like that with backup dancers and costume changes. It's just a whole other level uh, from what we're used to in the metal world, which is. I mean, relative, even if there's production in a metal show, it's still comparably DIY. Yes, yeah, yeah. And for a Madonna tour, you know, it's always been like about three months of rehearsals. Wow. About a month and a half, you know, getting the set down, and then a month and a half, you know, production rehearsals. Like on, on the stage, with the lights, and then it's like every day something new shows up. Sure. You know, a new screen or a new light or something. New piece of gear. Wow. That is a lot of pre-production time. 
Yeah, and and still, like, it's always, like, right before the first show, you think, oh, I hope everything gets here. Right, yeah. Well, I, I don't have to think that. I'm sure yeah. they, the you know, production people, they have to think that. Yeah, the production people as opposed to the singular one tour manager who's worried about, like, a box of shirts. Yeah, I can't even <laughs> conceptualize what a tour of that scale is really like. Like, what's it like an average day once the tour is underway? I mean, are you just taking care of all the time? Is it like awesome catering? Oh yeah, I mean everything. I mean she takes such exceptional care of everybody. It's, yeah, I've never heard you know of a better situation really. That's um, awesome. She has a lot of respect for everybody and lets everybody feel like they're very important. You know, she she said before it takes every single person to make that happen. Oh, that's so cool. You know, it's not like it's her yeah. doing a show and it's like you know I'm if the you, important you one. You screw up, you're yeah, out of here. Right, you know, right. it's like. You know the per, you know, there's catering, wardrobe, right? All the crew, all the techs, you know, everything. There's a lot going on. She usually has about, I think they said like around 200 employees. Wow, kind of on the tour, which makes it it's a lot of fun if you have a day off. There's always somebody to hang out with. Yeah, with all those people, you can. There's always somebody to go to dinner with or something. Yeah. You don't have your, the same, you know, have your ba- the same bass player. Yeah, you know? <laughs> same five people. Yeah, to look same at. five people. That's the only people that you can and that you're around in a van all the time. That you're like, okay, I need some. I need a break from you. You have like a small town of traveling people. Like, hey, yeah, I haven't hung out with this guy yet. Yeah, and everybody always knows, you know, something going on in every city. That's What's awesome. one of the more ridiculous uh, Madonna off days? Like, have you ever gone bowling with Madonna on an off day? That, that's <laughs> what I want to do. No, oh, let's see. The first, well, when we were in Romania. We all were out at the pool, went swimming, and we tried to swim with her, and she's so fast. I was just like, what? I just stopped. You like know? a fast like, swimmer? Like an oh, Olympian? Because she, like, she's in such good shape. Right. I, I remember just seeing her swim. I was like, oh, my God. Like, you know, It wasn't recreational. It was like... She was like... <laughs> like, all of a sudden, she was just on the other end of the pool. I was like, I'm getting out. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's hilarious. So how many, like, buses and, like, semis worth of stuff is it i don't a lot right a lot yeah a lot 20 wow i mean it's a whole it's a whole fleet yeah Yeah. it's a caravan wow i remember one time and this this isn't every day but one time we you know because we have sometimes you have your own plane and sometimes you're on a bus and (laughs) some of us you know filmed it on our phones but we we land walk off the plane and then all of the buses are there and you get on the bus, right? Like get on, on your get on your tour, back on your tour bus on the tarmac. Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, that was awesome. Like you're some sort of diplomat. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. That oh, was man. awesome. I, I was gonna say the King Diamond tour. I think he had a bus and a semi, which for yeah, like him, in the metal world, that's like oh a, my god, playing theaters in the metal world, that was ridiculous. Yeah, uh, that that was costly, and you know, it they had such a huge stage set up that it was necessary. But yeah, I mean that's that's about as big as the metal world gets until you get to bands like Slipknot or like Five Finger Death Punch, bands that are playing arenas and you know need to bring something besides a few empty cabinets, you know. Mm-hmm. So wow, that's pretty that's pretty insane. I don't know what what was the more uh, Ryan? Uh, do you have any like the, how what was the longest like Black Dahlia ever had to rehearse before a tour? Like a few days. Yeah. Like because normally you know you're playing so much in when you're like road dogging it like that, that you're, you're constantly um, in practice, you know, going out on the road. So really in between, you're just, you don't want to see anybody else. 
you want to go home. Right. And then maybe like you need to practice a couple days before you leave, but you've already been playing all those songs. Yeah. You know, maybe like a couple weeks if it's a new record and you're learning new songs. Yeah, or brushing up on something really old. Right, or something you haven't played in a long time. But basically, you're already up to speed on everything and you just <laughs> the bare minimum before you leave. So it's a, it's a lot different than a, a two-month... Um, Preparation, that's crazy. And none of the, ba- the band members are uh, walking into a venue holding a cabinet train up through through the doors, you know what I mean? Yeah, Like yeah. in the revocation video we just put out where they just had the, the cab train going. Yeah, cab train. Yeah, I never heard of that until we were watching that video. Yeah, it's efficient. Yeah, Monty, have you seen that video no, yet? Uh, Rev- yeah, I have, but what's, what what's the cab train? Uh, it let's just say you've got four guitar cabinets, so you get like... Uh, you know, one person on the front, one person in the middle, and then if you're in the middle, you have a cab on each side of you. So you basically just make a train of cabinets to load in. Instead of, like, two people take a cab, it's just a little more efficient to train it up sometimes. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I've done that just not with four cabinets. Yeah, or, like, three or whatever. Yeah. You yeah. have four cabinets. They don't have wheels on them. Yeah. So they go at separate times. Yeah, I got you. Um, and speaking of cabinets, uh, we just had Rivers and I, I'll, I'll bring this up just because I know, Ryan, you like talking about this stuff, and we've talked a little bit about it before, but Rivers and Isle was just in town, and uh, you've, I, you've probably heard them. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They are on that uh, death tour with um, Obituary and Massacre and all that. Did that already happen? Yeah, the L.A. show Man. just happened. Yeah, you just missed it. It was last That's Friday. That's the thing about L.A. shows. It's, it's like you hear up. about yeah. it, and then it just like, you, yeah. you always hear about the shows that happen. It was at the uh, Club Nokia where the Golden Gods happens, uh, which is awesome. a huge room for a band like Death to play. I bet they and, sounded amazing there. Um, I, I was impressed by the turnout given that that was the night that Slayer had that show at the Forum that was sold out. That's why I didn't yeah. go. Okay, which is that's... insane. I think Suicidal was on that too. Yes. So that was sold out like packed. So yeah. I'm going club. I'm going to Club Nokia thinking, this is going to be pretty brutal because I mean that's two huge competing shows. Uh, but no, it was actually re- really awesome. And uh, Rivers went on first, and the place is pretty packed out. That's wonderful. Uh, and speaking of cabs, uh, Rivers obviously a small time touring band just getting started. They've bailed on cabs and they're all Kemper now. Yeah, that's that's a great decision right there. You think so? So yeah. you're, you're pro Kemper. Yes. Is there any reason why you, I mean, you use cabs on tour? Uh, well, it, you know, it depends on who it's for, but um, yes, I do. Yeah. Well, you're one guy, uh, you're the guitar player, you have a bass player and drummer, so it's a pretty minimal setup as is. Right. Like for, for, my, for like the Monty Pittman shows, I'll use my amps and a Fractal uh, Axe FX2 and just blend them together. Okay. Because you never know if the sound man is going to, you know, you know what's going to happen from miking the cabinet. You know, or what the what mm. the PA is like, mm-hmm. and so they kind of you know that way they have the best of both worlds. Um, for Madonna, I use the Axe Effects too, but in the the sound man gets the stereo out, but then I also have that going into my you know into two orange amps. So when I'm playing on stage, there's there's a difference in your in your guitar tone. From just going direct and playing through something like that, or you, uh, you know, you, you're going into an amp and you're cranked up, and when you hit a chord or whatever, the the volume coming out of the amp makes those the strings move. You know, where you get like feedback and you get sustain a, a harmonic conversation. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Between the two. So, but do you ever just play with like in ears and no cabs on stage? You I don't know when pref- I've actually done that. You prefer to have a, a, a live cab going. Yes. I yeah, still, I think even though I, even though the fractal is mainly what's going through the front of house, yeah. I still have it going through the amp so it's Yeah. So it's it's reacting 
how it should. If at least just for the vibe. Yeah. Well, also because if you just go direct, there's a, I mean, it's, there's a difference in how. Okay. You know how it comes out of your guitar. I'm sure more and more bands will be. We'll be doing that, or yeah. or just going to like a two twelve cabinet. I mean, what's the point right. of ca- t- taking a four twelve cabinet? Right. True. Yeah. When and you're, you're saving, in a van, saving and, weight, and saving you gas. have the capability now. You have the technology to have a Kemper or a Fractal, and that sounds. I mean, it sounds so good. No one's gonna say, "Oh yeah, I want my money back now," because <laughs> right. I was hoping that sound would come out of an amp. Yeah, and it when probably I, sounds better. You can probably hear it better. Yeah, and when I talked to Rivers, uh, they said they're getting an extra hour and a half out of their tank with not having to throw a bunch oh. of cabs in the trailer, and they can fit all the merch they need for the full tour without having to do reorders on the road. Wow. Okay. So they're very excited right now. That's and they're, great. You know, not having to lug cabs around in all those rooms. So they're pretty excited. And then, you know, they're, they're going to, they're like a lot of bands now are using Kemper in the studio, and then they're going to profile their next record so they can sound exactly like they yeah. do in the studio on stage. Yeah, Meshuggah... fantastic. Uh, Meshuggah hasn't brought cabs on tour for a while. They've been on XFX, I believe, and they completely rely on the monitors, which is like... Yeah. Which is it's crazy, a little, but... it's a little scary. That's why that's I think scary. like it's yeah. good to have your... You know, have an amp also. Yeah. Just you could use both. I agree with you. Yeah, for sure. You have to have a lot of trust in that monitor guy to really be like... You know, that mixes my mix. If I don't hear what I need to hear, I'm screwed. Right, or yeah. how much beer was poured into the monitor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's no harm in that How one. blown they are. Yeah, exactly. That's a big problem, actually, yeah. Gear nerd talk right yeah. there. Other than that, uh, you're going to do ministry next year. Uh, there's a chance that Madonna might be doing some thing that, things next year. Um, don't know yet. I mean, hopefully. I know yeah. she's, according to her Instagram page, you know, she's still working on an album. Okay. So. Hopefully she plays those songs live. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Hopefully she doesn't just put out an album yeah, and one, say... Yeah, one would assume. One would assume. I don't know anything, though. But we'll see. And uh, In you're case g- you're fishing. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you're working on new material for the next Monty Pittman record. Yeah, I want to start recording sooner than later, actually, because I want to take my time. There's always something that happens. Sure. And so I just want to plan for that. And um, I'm excited for all the, you know, the next level... Of material I have to unleash on everybody. Last time I talked to you, you said you had like tons of stuff written, basically, and yeah. like ready to go. Like uh, basically, got the next two albums, yeah, ready to go now. So you're always kind of tinkering and writing and yeah, putting down ideas. Yes, and that's awesome. That's great. And so you know, right now I'm kind of going through. Well, do I take these new ideas and add them to what I already had? Right. But then you can kind of you can kind of mess things up that way. Right. And you know, the, like the, these will be the that'll be the the next batch of songs because it's where it just logically goes next. And um, when you write, do you do you just tinker and like stumble upon a riff that you like, or do you go into it thinking like I want to write a fast song or a slow song, or do you pre-plan it, or is it kind of a spur of the moment thing? Or sometimes I'll say like, okay, I want to write a fra- fast song, and yeah. I'll start jamming this fast riff, but then I go to what would be like the breakdown riff, and mm-hmm. then let's, it's like, okay, well, there's the riff. Ah, I see. You know, I'll just keep jamming, and then and I'll, I'll just record myself jamming like, oh, for cool. 20 minutes, and right. then go back and like, oh, that was really good. Oh, okay. Sometimes you'll be playing something that looks cool or is complicated, <laughs> and you go back and listen to it, it's like, what's going on there? It's Nothing. usually the, the, the more simpler things. For sure, for sure. Yeah, because I, th- I think the Monty Pittman record, um, 
is different in the metal world in that it's got that old school kind of rock vibe and that the songs all kind of have a different flavor and it's not a lot of metal bands i think tend to run into the 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 rut and ryan correct me if i'm wrong where they kind of have 10 really fast brutal songs and that's like what you get and i think there's a place for that i think it's really cool but i think what stuff like monty Pittman offers is those palate cleansers and slow songs where it kind of gives a record a a vibe that some of the really heavy metal records don't have yeah well thanks i i when i listen to to other bands albums i don't listen to the Sometimes I don't listen to the whole album because it's it's that, like what you're saying. And it's like, okay, after a few songs, I'm good on the fast songs. Now I want to hear something else. Yeah. You know, so you can do that. Kind you can of get burned out around on, on, yeah. on fast stuff or whatever kind of stuff it is. If it's just all the same type of thing over and over every song. It, for The Power of Three, well, and, and the album I did before that, Pain, Love, and Destiny, it was recorded in order. So when you're at the fifth song, you're like, okay, now I want to do this. Yeah. So... Yeah, of course. So you can kind of change it up. So, so you had the you had the order of the songs laid out before you recorded. Yes. Oh wow! Yeah. I have that for the, you know the next you know album that I do. Oh, also. that's very cool. I would say most people end up doing that after. Yeah, like they record the songs and then go, all right, what order should we put them in? You no, know what for, I mean? Because for me, it's very important. I like the the sequencing. That's yeah. like one of my favorite things. That's a big thing that people kind of I think throw on at the last minute or don't put enough thought into beforehand yeah i'm kind of opposite i'm like that's great i want this song to last this long and then the next song comes in and gets you i like a lot of surprise like the beginning of a dark horse where you have the acoustic guitar and then bam it kicks in heavy sure yeah yeah things like that where like oh okay i wasn't expecting that or when a when a song ends uh, at the um the ending of end of the world going into missing when we were doing the mastering i said i want it you know if you're just listening and not looking at the stereo or whatever that you would almost think that's that's another you know it's the same song in a way sure like yeah, it just yeah took a different turn yeah i think a lot of metal bands sequence at the end or they might have an idea like we want to open with this or we want to end with this but unless you're between the barrier to me a lot of metal is kind of they figure that out after the, all the tracks are done mm-hmm. unless they have things running into the other tracks or anything like that and, um, and also that way so me knowing what the first song on the album is going to be have that sort of intensity like okay someone puts on the album that's what that's one of the things i'm going through right now with doing the next album is like do i want the album to start like this do i want it to start like this yeah you know because this if this is the first song i'm going to play live you have all these other factors to put in you know yeah do i put some stabs you know where it's holding out so the sound man can get the sound right right you know or do i just come in you know relentlessly put in the album bam and just you know gets right to it but then your sound man's like oh you know so when they see you live it's just a bunch of drums and then, and then halfway slowly... through the song it starts to sound like the song right so think like that that's rough to think about it in that kind of detail though because man if you're thinking about how should i write this song so the sound man has enough time to get my levels <laughs> up that's some next level uh that's just one thing well yeah because yeah. it's got us you know you gotta think if you're it's gonna true, be playing but... in clubs yeah you're at the mercy of that oh for sure that's I've never heard anyone that's actually thought of that beforehand. I think I think that's why bands like Kiss and ACDC have got are, are so huge because they they appeal to such a wide audience. And, you know, that's, that's true. That's a kind of band that can play in an arena. Well, and if they're hitting one chord and there's a lot of space, yeah, that music has time to travel to the back of the arena. Yes, you had something really busy. Yes, 
you know, a bunch of blast beats. So like death all metal that. sounds terrible in a huge room. Exactly. Yeah, because right. it just it just sounds like a big wall. I heard another podcast, and I can't think of who it was. That were they were just talking about this and why arena rock is arena rock, and it's for exactly what you just said. Is there's, you know, yeah, exactly. Has Space. plenty of time for that reverb to come back, and nothing is getting muddied together, and it sounds great in an arena. But if you, you know, like you said, if you try to play some blast beats in that arena. Forget about it. This is going to be a, a mush. Yeah. So that's it's probably why Metallica kind of changed their sound around the the Black Album. Right. Playing well, those arenas. Well, it wasn't so fast. It was more. It was big. You know, rock tempos. Yeah. So you know, it would fit where they were playing. That's interesting. Or maybe they, maybe a band like that gets to where they just start playing bigger places, and they're like, "Wow, this song didn't go over right. like those I old, thought it would." Right. That's that's interesting. I don't think a lot of people even ever think about that or. You know, because if you don't hear music in a huge venue or play music in a huge venue and you're just hearing it on the CD, you say, well, why did they slow down or why did they, you know, but some of those fast songs might not work if you're touring arenas or, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Bands definitely pay attention to how the crowd is reacting. Definitely. Yeah. And I think few people are more qualified to make those calls than the band that looks at those faces every night right. and either see really excited people or just confused blank stares. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I've always kind of thought about that. I mean, not that I, I mean, maybe I'm just realizing that. But when I did my first album, I just did, it was just acoustic guitar and vocals. So I could go recreate that anywhere. And it's mic'd acoustics, but I also had an acoustic amp mic. Okay. And that's in the mix too. Okay. So when I played it live, it sounded like what it's going to sound like right. if you're, you know, playing a little, you know, club. Sure. With your acoustic guitar going direct or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So you have a little bit of that in there. Forethought. Lots of forethought from Monty Pittman. You, you have to, man. Yeah, you have that's to. good. You can't just go out there. Just and wing it. Get on stage and go, uh-oh. Uh-oh. All my backing work. tracks are gone. Well, that doesn't sound very good. <laughs> backing track. Yeah, I haven't even gotten into that yet. Someday, I'll, I'll have a field day with that. When, yeah. I, when I did uh, college radio, the music director that I originally worked under, um, really cool guy, knew a lot of music, he was like, man, the third record on the album, almost always going to be the best one. And whenever we got new music in, he would blow through like a dozen records and go right to the third track and immediately like chuck like half of those records saying, no, those records are terrible. And then more often than not, he was right. Like for some reason, the third track on an album is the hit. I don't know. Do you guys notice that at all? Yeah, that, that one in, in, in song number seven, usually. Yeah, like I've seen that before. There's a lot of good nines out there, too, I've found. <laughs> but I feel like a lot of people try to stack one and two. Yeah. Um, three? I don't know. Yeah, I guess three is an important one because it's going to either keep you listening to the album or you're going to shut it off. Right. And it, and it builds. You know, if you put your best song first or second, sure. then you know, yeah. everything else is going to... Downhill. Mm-hmm. You got to save a really good one for the end. Yeah, you, I like you, you. have to have that opener. Yeah, of course. And then you have to have that follow up, mm-hmm. and then you have your hit. Then so. you have yeah. your hit, huh? I yeah. think it makes sense. I'm gonna go look up a bunch of records now and, and verify that. Yeah, see, never... see see what some of the big song threes are. It depends on how many songs are on the album. I sure. guess. I wonder if in the future, if people are even gonna listen to albums all the way through, or you know, with the way everything is going digitally, if this whole because we came up listening probably to, you know, we got a tape or a record or whatever, and we sat down and listened to the whole thing all the way through like a million times. And by by no means are any of us that old. No, either. but you know, we. Still... I remember hearing about people doing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now I just wonder if young people are just like Spotifying the song they want or just buying the single they want on iTunes or. 
I know I know people still buy albums and listen to them all the way through, but I just wonder if it's going to change with the younger people. I hope not. Here, but. Here's what I think: it's going to change for like big pop records, mm-hmm. how they do things mm-hmm. because they're so single heavy anyway. Yeah. But for what we do and for metal, a lot of that blog talk is fairly irrelevant. Yeah, it's, it's still just, an album and still going to be listened to all yeah, the Yeah, like Between the Barrier to Me is not going to stop making full sure. records. Like Black Dahlia Murder is not going to start just writing sure. hits and just, you know, well, same course. thing, Amon all those bands. Like Rivers and Nile, like a lot of the Abiotics, Rivers and Niles, all our new bands still think about uh, album concepts and art that goes along with that concept and I, I think it's a pretty integral part of metal. I mean, that's how I like to do. I like to listen to albums all the way through, definitely. But I just, I just worry about the short attention spans of yeah the young kids nowadays, and you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we are talking about essentially anyone now that's been like born after '95. Yeah, like, I can no longer relate to that person. <laughs> yeah, because I remember having to dial up on a modem. Yeah. To use the internet for and the they first just time. Grew up staring at their iPhone or yeah. Whatever. I didn't have a cell phone until college. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm 30 this year, so I'm by no means not not that old. Yeah, but you know that disconnect is already there for that generation. So we're officially no longer old in, farts, We're like, officially no longer in those demographics. Yeah, <laughs> I just hope the album doesn't go away as a whole. That's all I'm saying. Well, I think if there's somebody that you like to listen to, you can listen to their music. But what if there's a band that like you may like a band. And you want to listen to their entire album, yeah. But I may only, I may only like two songs from sure, them. and so I'll listen to those two songs. And I may like something that you don't like. So I guess I think it all comes down to it's taste. And if if there's a band and you put out a really good album, yeah, then someone's gonna and it to your fans they're gonna listen to the whole thing. Cause sure, they want that experience for sure. But somebody who just likes a couple of songs, nothing wrong with that's that. That's better than them not listening to you at all. Sure. Yeah, very uh, true. I think that I think the way that we listen to music is probably going to change again in the next couple of years. I think so too. iTunes, like I don't listen to i I don't go on iTunes anymore. Like just my phone is so screwed up from iCloud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For real, like I'll have you know I'll, I'll I'll put everything in my iCloud in a playlist or, or you know like let's say you put the music you want to listen to on your phone. And by the way, you can't put everything right. You know yeah. you don't have room to put all these albums. It's like okay, well I'll grab track. <laughs> right, yeah. From from these albums, and um, oh, Ryan needs And then a I'll go on my phone, and then I've got a, you know, unless I I've got Wi-Fi or whatever, it's like I don't have it. So yeah, then yeah, you yeah. just go to Spotify, and it's like okay, I'll listen to it here, or your Spotify um, subscription runs out. Sure, it's yeah. like oh, okay, well, all right, I'll go on YouTube, and, you know, and then you li- then you've listened to it. Yeah, and it was kind of a pain in the ass to do. So I think something. You know, it'll it'll all morph into something again. We most definitely have not seen the end of. I think that the way people listen to things is going to change again. I mean, yeah. cassette tapes that was awesome, right? But how many times you forget about your cassette tape getting eaten? Yeah, no, it's terrible. Cassette or, or a CD, you got all these CDs you have to carry. It weighs they, a thousand pounds. They skip. Yeah, yeah, you know, cassettes, they get scratch yeah. and they skip. Cassettes, VHS, and beta were all garbage, and it was a testament to the American consumer's preference of uh, convenience over quality is what it really was, because vinyl and laser discs were both better for video and audio, but they're too big. Right. So everyone went to, and they couldn't write, you know, you couldn't uh, burn your own laser disc at the time, but you could record a VHS tape. So, you know, that's that's what the uh, American public went with, but by no means were either of them better. You didn't have to adjust the tracking on a laser disc. Yes, right. <laughs> 
I wonder too if we're ever going to go to higher bit rates, higher qualities, more tracks, super audio CDs, uh, mixes in 5.1. Like I'm kind of waiting for this to happen, but it seems like the consumer isn't really that excited about like a higher quality. Like yeah. everybody's kind of used to MP3s and oh, they don't really sound that good, but I don't care because they're small. I, I don't know. It's it's an interesting time. A lot of it hinges on the fact that we're still waiting for a, a high enough wireless speeds. That's true. And phone speeds to, to accommodate things like that. I mean, Spotify can only stream so high because mm-hmm. a lot of people just don't have the data plans or, you know, Wi-Fi or internet connections to deal with a better sure a better connection. We're in a big city and we're pretty uh, privileged, but there's a lot of people in rural areas that are either on like satellite internet or just they're stuck with a provider that just can railroad them for really crappy speeds at really high prices. Are they still making those super audio CDs that are... I don't think so. And what about like the 5.1 mixes? I don't hear anything about that. The last time I remember hearing about a 5.1 mix was like an Iced Earth record like 10 years ago. Yeah, and then no one really cares. Yeah, who do you know that even has a 5.1 setup? Yeah, I I just like If you know someone that has a nice living room setup, but I don't know too many... I I don't even have that. I don't need it. I just have two big-ass speakers hooked up to my, my turntable, and that's all I really care about. Hmm. Just annoy my neighbors with whatever vinyl I decide to play that day. Yeah. No, what I mean, I, I I'd like to see uh, iTunes eventually offer wave files, just to give. Because I mean, when you do buy a record, you want to own that record. And to be fair, in iTunes, you don't own the best copy of that record you could possibly own. You know, maybe high end digital files will be like the vinyl of the future. Yeah. Where just like the audio files that want to hear really crisp, crazy, high quality music are gonna buy those like lossless files from Bandcamp or something, and then everybody, everybody else is just going to be on some streaming service, whether that's YouTube or Spotify or SoundCloud or some sort of combination of all of them, Pandora even. Yeah. I just so. hope that the artists can uh, can continue to make a living. Yeah. Somehow. Until that happens. Streaming. Yeah, I mean, by the time that yeah. happens, a lot of bands may not be, you know, they may be broken up. Yeah. It's a tough world out there for, uh, for, for bands to try to turn a profit or stay, keep their heads above water. So, what about teaching guitar, Monty? What? Let's talk about that. How okay. Does, how is that going for you? How many yeah. students do you have? I've got about forty students right now. Forty? Yes. Wow. I didn't. Is, I didn't know it was that big of a, a gig. It just kind of blew up into that. I do some house calls, and then I uh, started teaching at the School of Rock in okay. the South Bay because my kids go there. And then the owner was like, hey, you want to come teach here for a day or, or whatever? And I was like, because they have such a great facility. I was like, all right, sure, I'll come, you know, teach a few hours. And then that's just like turned into like, you know, a full day. Well, <laughs> and I'm already there. So I'm like, you know, all right, sure. Yeah, bring, you know, have another student come. And then he asked me, he's like, well, can, can I start booking you on this day now? And I'm like, okay, sure. And so... Next thing you know, I'm like teaching all day, every day. <laughs> yeah. So it's great because it keeps my chops up. You know, if I was just sitting around at home, I probably wouldn't play guitar. Yeah. And I'm always learning something. And it, you know, my ears always to the ground of what's new, whether it be a pop band or a metal band or, you know, you just, you never know. That's cool. What it's going to be. And then I have to figure it out. Yeah. And show it to them. And teaching something and explaining something in a way that explaining it to someone that doesn't know it is it's a completely a really, different world. Yeah, that that's when you know you really truly understand something is when you can explain it to someone and 
layman's terms that they can pick up on and learn. It's it's a difficult thing to do. Yeah, and that's always been the case. I remember when I first started teaching Madonna, and and she was like, she wanted to know like, well, how are you strumming this? And I'm like, I don't know. You just your hand goes up and down. <laughs> yeah. How many how many years has it been since you've even had to think about that? Exactly. And and I, and she's like, no, no. How many times does my hand go down and up? And where do I put an accent? And I was like, wow, she's leaves no stone unturned. <laughs> so I had to go, okay, it's going down and up and then down again. And then, you know, sure. all those sort of things. Like I had a student wanting to learn Angel of Death from Slayer. And I've no, I mean, I learned that when I was 14, but now what I know now, I look back and I didn't, I didn't learn it exactly. Of course. Correctly. Sure. And that the tuning is in E flat. And that was always a challenge because you, you have one guitar yeah. It's tuned E to E, right? And you have a band that has E flat, like, like Guns N' Roses or Slayer. It's yeah. like, oh god! Then you got to retune your guitar, and yeah. then it's never staying in tune. And is Guns N' Roses E flat as well? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Those are those bands. I never learned their songs. Yeah. I, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of did, like from ear. But then you have to go through and figure out exactly what they're doing because you're teaching someone, and then you have to really figure it out. And then you kind of, but from me doing all that, I see how the, how, you know, what makes all of these recordings tick, you know, yeah, I get to break them apart. That's cool. It's got to kind of give you a, a more, like a deeper understanding, like you're just saying of how those albums, what makes them cool. And like Vince was saying, like once you can teach it to someone else, that means you really have mastered it yourself. And yeah, it's an awesome way to keep your chops up and learn new stuff. It's got to be. It seems like a good a good gig. Yeah, and after they learn all of their scales, it's like, okay, yeah. well, let me find a weird scale for you to learn. I was like, okay, <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you have any uh, up and coming students that are serious shredders? Yeah, I've got a little bit of everything. Got you know some shredders. I've got um, some some girls that are around like sixteen, seventeen, and if the right person saw them, they could be wow. huge. They got to put together some YouTube videos, man. That's how you do it. I know, I yeah. know. Uh, so actually, some of my if you're in LA, um, a group of students they're playing at the Whiskey December sixth. Oh wow, that's Open, cool. Opening for Eyes Set to Kill. Nice. That's a pretty big show. Cool. Yeah. That's not bad. I, I just remember that. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean, there's all kind. Of, you know, I teach a lot of kids, like you know, six years old. And then wow, you know, six adult. is such a good age to start learning that. I wish I would. They're, they're just old enough to kind of start to pay attention. I have yeah. a niece that's like seven, and I couldn't imagine her learning anything. But you got to really, <laughs> man, that that's that's awesome. That's when you learn something, and then when you're twelve or fourteen, you're already like knee deep in it. Yeah, and you just don't even remember the basics anymore. Yeah. yeah, my my secret weapon with kids is uh, Minecraft parody songs. <laughs> what? Because kids love Minecraft. I mean, yeah, that is just—it's a great game. I've never seen anything like that. Have you played it? Uh, no, no, no. Oh, but it's my, awesome. I, oh my god, they love it. And so there's all these songs, um, like uh, Radioactive from Imagine Dragons is a huge, you know, mm-hmm. song on the radio. And there's a, there, it's called Redstone Active. Okay. And it's, it's like they someone changed the lyrics, yeah. almost like a Weird Al Yankovic kind of thing, but they, sure. it's just dealing with Minecraft. So then the kids, you know, are like glued to it, listening to it. Wow. And then it's, you know, that's how I'll, I'll start like a six-year-old student. Like, okay, on your top string, you just play one note, seventh fret, tenth fret, fifth fret, open. And you just play, and then they're playing that to the song. 
Because normally you can't get them to hold their fingers down because they'll take their hands off like the strings hurt yeah. their fingers. Sure. And it yeah. keeps them to where they have to keep playing. So You're going to wow. have some six-and-a-half-year-olds cool. with some big uh, guitar calluses already? <laughs> yeah, so you know, I started them with a lot of those Minecraft songs, and then kids love ACDC. Of course. I, I mean, of all bands, they love that. Um, and Deep Purple. Huh, I've had that's a lot a good of one. students learn Deep Purple. I mean, that, that's, that's awesome. And that's cool, because like Highway Star, they could just play, you know, you just play the root notes. They don't have to play it just like mm-hmm. Richie Blackmore. So that's my little secret weapons, and then show them a scale that they can play over that, and then they they keep coming back. Have you have you seen that Rocksmith game? You know anything about that? I, I've seen it. I mean, I, I don't know much about it. I've, I've, I've seen had, that there was a game called that. I haven't. Yeah. I've played it. It's great. What yeah. is it's, it? It's just it's kind of like you explained. You plug in a real guitar, and you play along, and they start you off with essentially just the top string or the yeah. second string, playing along to the song, but not playing exactly the song. And as you get better, it dynamically changes even in the middle of the song where you'll be playing a, a string and then it'll say, okay, you're playing the full power chord now. Good yeah. luck. Yeah, that's what I do. And then you, yeah. Add, yeah, you add the next note Just in layers, there. yeah. And say, here's a power chord. And then you can add some music theory to it. Sure. Like, well, now that note, that's the fifth, you know, of, of the scale. And now if you flat the fifth, you have a diminished chord. And if you sharp the fifth, you have an augmented, you know. So then... You can kind of open the doors to the music theory. See that that's the stuff that you definitely don't get from a, a game like Rocksmith. Right, they don't go into that. You, yeah, I think with games like that, you end up learning a lot of shapes, and you can learn the notes, but you're you're not going to learn as much theory like that. But games like that, that game still has a lot of uh, essentially drills for learning how to play different techniques, tremolos and palm mutes, and mm-hmm. uh, all those types of things. So it's it's actually pretty robust. I didn't expect anything. I thought it was going to be like kind of Guitar Hero Plus, but no, it's it's really good. I'll check it out. Yeah, I was I was really impressed with it, and I'm I'm terrible at guitar. I've always been a drummer, and I just can't play guitar at all. But I've I've plucked around with that a little bit, and it's pretty fun. Well, maybe I'll have to show you some things. We'll change know. that. Oh, here we go. I, mean, I could play a little bit of Green Day or Godsmack, but those are just, you know, those are power chords. <laughs> Call that a day. <laughs> it's all power chords. Well, though. yeah, not all, but, you it's know. There's only so many notes that go into these things. Of course, yeah. yeah Twelve right? notes. All right, so Monty's out here because he's dropping off footage for a new video. Well, actually, two new videos. Two new videos. We filmed, uh, played at the Whiskey and at the end of September, seems like last week. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, films for some, you know, live action videos. Going to have those out soon. And then we're going to do another video. So hopefully by the end of January, that's my goal. Cool. By NAM. Yeah. By NAM. Have uh, some new videos out there so people can see the band live. And, you know, right now, really, Before the Morning Sun is the only thing out there. And so everyone... Just kind of judges it on what they've what they've seen. Sure, right. I've seen the comments like this isn't metal. This is. I love the arguments. <laughs> oh, don't read the comments. Oh, I only see the top one, but I just, you just see people arguing. It's like <laughs> yeah, of what is and what isn't metal. Oh god, metal's a pretty broad term. It covers a lot of things. Yeah, it's more about the attitude. Yeah, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so Nam, that's a, that's a big time for you then, yeah. Yes, I'm with ESP Guitars now. I just yeah got, got endorsed by them this year. And so that'll be my first time hanging out with them. Cool. And you're enjoying their stuff? Love their guitars. Free plug right oh now? Oh, my God. Here you go. Yeah. yeah they're the FRX. Cool. That's probably one of my favorite guitars I've played. And you have a video video demoing that guitar, too, right? Yeah, I do. That was the first time that I'd ever really played it. Cool. 
nothing like trying out a guitar when <laughs> yeah, there's a, live there's a on camera TV, on yeah. you. Right into the fire. And I'm like, well, okay. Good I luck. like that. Okay, it's made of this kind of wood. Sounds good. Sounds it's got good. strings. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go back down to YouTube uh, later next month and uh, shoot the Delusions of Grandeur yeah, we video gotta, and see how that goes. And We have to think of some ideas of what to do. Yeah, we'll, it should think, be we'll black. think of some things. Yeah. It should be dark i'm just gonna leave the lens cap on <laughs> it'll be black as hell Finish. let's just film it and then like keep the lights out yeah. so you just see the light on for you just see that jewel light from the amp <laughs> now i'm gonna try to think of some cool lights we can bring i don't know i'll i'll, I'll do some brainstorming Need some leds on the fretboard and then there you go there you go use some glow-in-the-dark strings it'll look like an edm video or something i don't even yeah. know yeah let's not do that okay <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll leave all that to you as far as like what we're gonna what we're gonna do? Oh, but it, just, it should kind of, it should kind of just be like a, a polar opposite of before the morning sun. Okay. Why don't yeah, I that just one looks really bright and yeah, bright and white, and, white, yeah, and that's good. So we'll do the opposite. I'll just invert the before the morning sun video there and then go. swap the audio and just call the day. Yeah. Like, don't even sync it. Just yeah, just whatever. <laughs> so yeah, lots no. of video content coming from Monty. Yeah, that's the takeaway. The, that's my plan. Is to get a lot of get some video out there we get to shoot down at youtube which is one of the coolest spots i've ever shot at it's really cool people and it's super fun so. definitely yeah when and we did the before the morning sun video there was um there was a fitness video being filmed next door <laughs> we were they, too loud for those guys we bummed we, them out yeah we were really playing <laughs> oh yeah yeah, yeah. Like, it was loud yeah. it wasn't like you know it was pretend like, yeah i wasn't like miming on the mic i was right. like really singing so you see that in your face for sure really sweating and they were bummed they didn't like that. <laughs> no, yeah, we, we had to alternate filming. It was kind of a pain. But now we're in a stage at YouTube for this one where we can be as loud as we want. It'll be great. Yeah, okay, those doors great. seem pretty soundproof. No, nobody can hear you over yeah. there. It's I don't know if great. I'm going to bring all the cabinets yet. I may just bring... All right. I don't know if I can have the white cabinets. We'll just pretend you're rolling a Kemper, and that'll be good. No, no, no. For the just video. the black Just the black cabinets. Oh, okay. Not the, I, I got you. Now we're spoiling it, though, by oh. saying all this. Oh, man. Oh. Nobody's going to watch it now. Redacted. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Monty, well, thanks for driving up here. Appreciate you taking you the time, bet, as always. Always great hanging out with you guys. Great yeah. to see you. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next month. Okay.
and that was Monty Pittman. There he goes. Guitar player extraordinaire and vocalist. He's a talented guy, and he's super cool, too. Oh, he's the nicest, and, you know, without before I met him, you hear, like, Madonna's guitar player, and you think, oh, my God, this guy must be just a rock star and yeah. just too good to talk to me or whatever, but, man, he was he's super cool. Super nice, super easy to talk to. No, he's cool, and he's got a lot of stories about Madonna just being a, a massive ball buster. By, by no means is Madonna metal or part of our world, but she's an influential artist uh, just overall in the music scene. And to hear cool stories, like candid stories about Madonna just being a human being and not some sort of pop star monster is, is really it's really cool. And, yeah. it's, and she played Pantera on stage. And Monty taught her that, Exactly, so. so how cool is that? Yeah, you can't complain about that. And I talked a little bit about... My radio days when we skipped the track threes, so I looked up some famous track threes, right, to try to prove my theory. Aha! Uh-huh. Um, I found a couple that are good. Uh, what a horrible night to have a curse. Oh. From the Black Dahlia Murder record, Nocturnal. Uh huh. The thing that should not be, uh, Metallica on Master of Puppets. There you go. This lying world from Unearths the Oncoming Storm. Mm-hmm. Which is one of their biggest songs. Sure. Night Train. Oh man. Guns and Roses, Appetite for Destruction. Yeah. Uh, Take the Power Back from Rage Against the Machine self-titled record. Uh, so your theory is proving true in these instances. I, there's a couple good examples. Redneck by Lamb of God. Oh, man. That's the biggest hit song they have. Yeah, right? That's track three. That's another track three. Unbelievable. Five Minutes Alone by Pantera. So. Five Minutes Alone. Yeah, there you go. Man. So there, there's some uh, big track threes out there. After I did some digging, I uh, you know found some evidence at least. Cool. So uh, only listen to track three from now on, everybody. <laughs> That's when you know if a record's going to be good. You can skip right to track three, and if, if, that record's, uh, if that track is garbage, then, you know. The rest of the album's going downhill. Yeah, probably. It's, it sucks after that. I don't know. All right. Now we know. Cool. But anyway, we've got a bunch of cool stuff coming out uh, the week of Thanksgiving. The new Primordial record, Where Greater Men Have Fallen. It's been getting great reviews. Yep. And uh, there's a new video out for that one, so check that out. And that's for the track Babel's Tower. And we've also got the new record out from Cripper. That one's called Hyena. They're a German uh, thrashable band with a, th- a female vocalist. So think like Arch Enemy smashed with like, I don't know, Machine Head and Testament-ish. They just released a, um, a live video from a festival. Yeah. And man, it sounded great. The performance was great. Stage presence was awesome. Yeah, Britta, the vocalist, is, is fucking awesome. She's yeah. talented as hell. Yeah, um, so pretty excited about that band. Yeah, they're, uh, they've been playing festivals in Europe for years. And uh, our German office had been seeing them play like Wacken and all those big fests all the time. And finally... Okay. They finally came to the party and said, "Hey guys, let's do a record." And, right, uh, you know, right. They, they decided it was a it was a good idea, so we put out the Cripper record, uh, and we've also got the new record from Thomas Giles called "Modern Noise," and that's Tommy from Between the Barrier to Me's uh, like rock electronic kind of poppy side project, which is super cool if you're tired of blast beats for a little bit, right? Yeah, I love it. it sounds uh, reminds me of uh, Muse and kind of Radiohead and. Um what have you. Uh, yeah, and awesome you know, stuff. some of you might be rolling your eyes right now, but give give it a shot. If you're a fan of Between the Barrier to Me, if you're a fan of Tommy's vocals, uh, you're definitely going to be a fan of it. I did a video for that one, uh, for the track Siphon the Bad Blood. Yeah. So that one's online right now. It turned Middle. out awesome, by the way, man. You really killed that video. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah. It's uh, it's cool. I, I tried to do some uh, creepier, really weird, you know, trippy things on that one, which is what Tommy wanted. Yeah. And he it, just said, make it weird, man. So I tried. And it really matched the vibe of the cover art and stuff. which Yeah, I think, it's, it's all art from the record. Yeah. So that that's what I used in there just because it was already, it already kind cool. of fit the vibe and tied everything together. So. And if you have some kind of 4K display, you yeah. can watch that baby in uh, Ultra HD. 
Yeah, the video is in 4K, and I'm excited because Adobe After Effects only crashed once the whole time I was editing <laughs> that's, that. It's pretty good. Which is impressive. Yeah. If any of you have messed with, you know, sound editing or video editing out there, you know, those programs can be tricky sometimes. So editing raw 4K video and having After Effects crash once, I was excited. I was, yeah. I was worried about that part more than anything else. But, uh, yeah, 2014 has been a pretty crazy year. Oof. And we're just kind of winding down with releases. Uh, after Thanksgiving week, that's like pretty much it, right? Records don't come out anymore and everything is uh, set for January. We just have one more kind of round of releases with some vinyls on the way. Plus the uh, Portrait and Ram Split. Ah. The split EP from both those bands. Two of our better uh, badass like Swedish uh, power traditional metal bands. Now they're covering each other's songs? Yeah, they covered each other's songs. Uh, plus there's a few cover songs on there. Very If you cool. go to metalblade.com slash undercommand which is the title of the uh, Split EP. You can check that out. And uh, Black Friday's coming up, of Ooh. course. So people are going to be spending a t uh, ton of money. Shop, shop, shop. And a bunch of, you know, hopefully you guys don't wait in line. Hopefully you're smart enough to buy everything online now. Mm -hmm. I went to one Black Friday a couple years ago with a friend of mine and waited in line at Best Buy at 3 or 4 in the morning. Oh, I didn't want anything. Oh. I just went to go just for the hell of it, which made it a completely stress-free experience. Yeah, because you weren't like, like I, just, yeah. I have to get in there to get this. I wasn't like, I need a new TV. Yeah. No, I just, I went because my friend was going, and I don't even think he bought anything. We walk, walked around Best Buy for like a half an hour, and it was just a zoo. The only thing that was uh, kind of a bummer to see was we walked through the music section, and it was just empty. <laughs> we we could have played volleyball in there and not hit a single person. Wow. It was pretty depressing, but the rest of the store was just, you know, nut to butt all around. Uh, I always like watching the... Uh the fights that break out afterwards, yeah, yeah. and you see it on the lo local news. Are they going to have another uh, Black Friday like death count this year? Was oh, that a man. thing last year? I don't know. Like a, a, a whatever casualty count for Black Friday. I think there's a website for that. It's I found the site. It's blackfridaydeathcount.com, and uh, they have all of the incidents linked for whenever something goes down on Black Friday uh, from 2013 until uh, how, how long? How far back does this go? How long have we been just uh, been terrible shoppers? Yeah, 2006 to 2013, they've tallied seven deaths and 90 injuries. For so, what? Those deals, baby. Yeah, a lot of it's, you know, the shopper pepper sprayed arrested an argument over TV at New Jersey Walmart. A uh, man stabbed during Black Friday event at Carlsbad Mall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what else we got here? Um, shopper carrying TV home from Target shot in Las Vegas. <laughs> So don't do that. Just go to our web store, pick up some CDs. Yeah, we're going to have some sales going on in uh, IndieMerch.com slash Metal Blade Records. Uh, plus, if you go to your mom and pop record stores, which is way cooler than, you know, some big box store where it's going to be just a zoo. Definitely. Uh, the Cattle Decapitation Decade of Decapitation box set is going to be released in its entirety. Nice. So all five cattle records in a really kick-ass box. Uh, Wes Ben Scoder did some custom art for the box. Wes has done all of Cattle's covers. So that's going to be in mom-and-pop uh, record stores for Black Friday. Super limited. There's only a couple hundred of those around. Uh, and once they're gone, they're gone. It's very cool. Very cool. So check those out. Science News of the Week. Science. Rosetta in the news. Of course. The very satellite that uh, we shot at that comet. Very cool. Very cool stuff. It's kind of uh, the most ridiculous trick shot and pool you could ever make times a billion. Yeah, it took, uh, how about what, that 10 years to get out there? With, a decade uh, of orbits around the sun yeah. and uh, gravity assists from uh, Earth and Mars to shoot it out towards the uh, comet. So for, for people who maybe aren't into science as much, let's just real quick talk about what gravity assisting is. 
So basically, like if you had a, a spaceship and you wanted to get to a planet, you could, and you had an unlimited amount of fuel, you would just kind of point to where that planet's going to be and just burn a bunch of fuel and go straight to it. Yep. But since that's really uh, not economical, uh, and getting all that fuel up there isn't really uh, isn't really that feasible. What they end up doing is slingshotting around planets to gain speed. So each planet has its own gravity well. So you can basically think about it like a uh, like a marble or something rolling down uh, a hill. And then instead of hitting the planet, they just get close enough to where it slingshots around the planet and picks up a bunch of speed. So they actually use this as um, kind of, I guess... Uh, Instead of using a bunch of fuel, you just use the gravity of the planets to speed you up more and more. Yeah, and they're moving too fast to actually get caught in orbit around the planet or to have their orbit decay so much that they would crash into the surface. Because that's how we bring stuff out of orbit, too, is we slow it down to the point where it actually, the orbit intersects the Earth again. Because when things are in orbit, they're falling just perpetually in circles because they're going too fast to fall for that orbit to decay. So anybody that's played Kerbal Space Program knows what we're talking about, right? I highly recommend playing but that there, game. There are no there are no straight lines in space. It's all orbits. So to see, if you Google where is Rosetta, there's a really cool uh, interactive graphic that the ESA, the European Space Agency, put up that you can see how long the Rosetta uh, satellite was actually in space and how how much planning and math is involved in actually putting that thing next to the comet. It's an impressive amount of forethought and planning. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and once it got there, it was like the original moon landings where they uh, dropped the Rosetta craft, dropped the Philae lander onto the surface. And that's how we got to the moon is that right. the orbiter dropped the lander uh, so it's on a the two surface piece, of the moon. So it's a two-piece yeah. probe, basically. So not it, the whole thing goes on to the comet. They yeah. And uh, it, it bounced off the surface and now has the record for the highest and longest uh, free form jump in space. It's like about a kilometer jump, a yeah. kilometer wide. Yeah. So the thing is, is there's not much gravity produced by that comet. Almost so, none. Yeah. So to get something to actually stick to it is a challenge in itself. Yeah. And those harpoons didn't fire, which is unfortunate. Well, I thought the, I thought I heard the harpoon did fire, but maybe didn't attach. Or did you read something different? I read that they just didn't fire. Okay. Okay. And now they're afraid to fire them because it's kind of <clears throat> sitting uh, a little bit off, and they don't want to knock it back off sure. the comet. So, well, at this point, I've heard that it's gone to sleep mode, and the battery power is done. Yeah, yeah. They so, did get about sixty hours worth of data back from it, which is pretty cool. They get a heck of a lot of data back from it, and they've already, de- from what I've seen, detected organic molecules on the comets. Very interesting. Which is awesome because that's comets and asteroids have long been hypothesized as essentially the seeds of planets, mm-hmm. seeding planets early in uh, solar system formation over the course of you know billions of years, millions sure. of years, uh, of course. Um, but comets playing a huge part in smashing into the Earth. And this may lend credence to that theory. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we'll see what those scientists come back with uh, data-wise. And, as a lot of you have probably seen, uh, Dr. Matt Taylor with the European Space Agency, a British uh, director over there, uh, is a big Cannibal Corpse fan. There is a, a image of him out there wearing a butchered at birth shirt, getting a Philae Lander tattoo. There you go. <laughs> Metalheads aren't all idiots. Yeah, exactly. It that goes along with our other friends at NASA JPL out here in Pasadena, who are huge metal fans, and they blast metal at NASA all the time. There you go. So yeah, we're you know metalheads are everywhere, and the cool thing is, I mean it's it's not really that big a deal that someone out there listens to metal that has a job like that. 
It's uh, but it's just you know metalheads when we find each other like when you're walking in the mall and you <laughs> see a dude with a metal shirt like yeah. Dark Tranquility or something. Yeah, you know not not something big and mainstream that a ran like a regular person would know. Yeah, a civilian as it were. Uh huh. Like you know so one of the initiated. That's your brother. Know. Like second stage mayhem bands. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you see that dude and you're like, hey, you want to give him the head nod and right. just you know high five that guy or something. It's. It's cool. We're it's our just, own little family. Yeah, it's it's our own little family. And when we're not arguing with with each other via YouTube comments and uh, on message boards, you know, we're all in the same boat, really. Yeah. I, I'm really interested to see what they come back for the chemical composition of the asteroid because, as I've kind of talked to you about, I'm not a huge believer in the whole dirty snowball model. And uh, to me, those pictures, it looks pretty rocky, so... You know, I'm not saying I know one way or another, but I'm I'm definitely interested to see what the composition actually is. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, that that's what they were hoping the drills will find. And I was just looking at an article a few minutes ago here where they kind of got the drills working, which mm-hmm. is really cool. Oh, very cool. Um, but they're not sure what like the uh, what did it say here? Uh, although the ovens worked correctly, the scientists uh, do not yet know how much, if any, material was actually delivered to the ovens by the SD2. Mm. Uh, the SD2 is the um, drill um, that they were deploying. Um, it was like ext- it's supposed to extend 46.9 centimeters below the balcony of the lander, uh, and uh, hopefully drill into the surface. But with the way the lander is facing and everything, right? And, it's like kind of on its side or something. Yeah, they'll or? they'll see if anything actually properly got delivered into the part of the lander that would do the the actual analysis of the uh, chemicals. So. You know, even though the landing got a little messed up and it, the solar panels aren't getting enough sun and, you know, it seems like, oh, well, it's, it was a failure, but I think they've, they're really happy to even have made it that far yeah. to get any data Dude, back. We've fired, as a <laughs> species, know. we've fired a lot of multi-million dollar lawn darts <clears throat> between Venus and Mars. Mars had a lot of Russian ones go missing. Dude, the the yeah. Russians were rolling like a 50% failure rate for a long time. <laughs> it's not easy to get one the, of these missions the done. The first time the Russians sent something to Venus, it went into the atmosphere and immediately collapsed like mm. a submarine that had a punctured hull. Mm-hmm. So the second time they they realized, okay, we got to send something a little bit more durable. So the point is, any data coming back from a, a mission like this is data a success. we didn't have before. It's yeah, a big exactly. success, and it's uh, a testament to the hard work that um, they've put in for a decade or more. Yeah, and the cool thing is, is the more questions they answer, the more questions they're going to have. Yep, definitely. Which is kind of how science works, right? That yeah. expanding bubble of knowledge only leads to a greater surface area outside of that bubble. Sure, and we like to think in the modern age that you know we know everything and. There's there's so much out there that we don't know that it's yeah. it's always exciting when new things are coming in. And these know. new things will hopefully lead to more concept metal records on science, right? <laughs> yeah. Those are great. Any any time a lyricist is challenged to, to write something crazy, wh- whether it leads to some work of fiction or some work of, you know, uh semi, you know, sciencey related stuff, I'm into it. I love it. Yeah. I think zombies and horror has its place, but I like the whole science direction that's happening right now. Definitely. Well, you could you could have some science zombies, some outer space zombies. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably a good... Uh, that That's actually a good idea. Yeah. Legion's next record or somebody like that's got to be like a zombies on a comet. Zombies from space! You've seen Iron Sky, right? Uh, no. I think that's I think that's the title. That's where uh, after World War II, the Nazis went to the moon and they lived on the dark side of the moon. Mm. And then they try to come back to Earth. Mm-hmm. It's pretty campy. It's awesome. <laughs> if you haven't seen that one, you definitely have to see that it. It sounds cool. Well, that does it for us this time. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for tuning in. We'll have more coming uh, shortly here. 
We're going to have our year-end meetings as a company where we have our staff from Europe and Canada and the UK and all that uh, come to the office, which is always exciting. Yes. you know, the Europeans, we get all the different accents in here. We're going to start riffing about what's coming next year and the following year. Uh, so a lot of excitement around here right now. Wait, metal isn't over? No. We're not going to just quit? Uh, well, I mean, probably not. Okay. I don't think we will anyway. That would be stupid. <laughs> I feel, I feel like we've got a good streak going on here. Yeah. we got another Between the Bear to Me record coming. More Amana Marth. You know, more, more Black Dahlia and not too long here. I keep hearing the music industry is dead, though. Yeah, well, not us. Oh, okay. Metal fans are still, you know, buying stuff for the most part, I We're going to keep going. Yeah. So we might as well keep going next year, too. So keep an eye out for new stuff very, very soon. And uh, we'll, we'll end this week's episode here with a brand new track from Primordial. This is Babel's Tower. Again, you can check out this video at uh, on the internet now, metalblade.com slash primordial. So enjoy. <laughs> 